Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Worth Playing For podcast. I am continuing on through my coverage of the post-merge of Survivor, the Australian Outback. Today, I'm going to be covering episode 11, Let's Make a Deal, and episode 12, No Longer Just a Game. I am continuing on through my rewatch of the whole series of Survivor from the first episode until where we are currently. Um, and where we are currently is having just finished at Winners at War, waiting for Survivor Season 41 to start. Um, and obviously this post-merge is a bit of a zombie, right? It's a bit dry, there's not some... There's definitely some interesting gameplay here, um, but it takes definitely a long time to get through. They have less and less things to talk about as, um, as the season goes on here. And I think these are the last two, like, tolerable episodes. Even then, they're pretty slow, they're pretty dry. Um, no pun intended with the Australian Outback. Obviously, these episodes are not dry literally in the show as they get drenched and poured with rain as their camp um, just gets devastated by floods, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but these, this is pretty much the last time where it gets interesting. The fact that this final five takes um, three episodes to finish up um, really hurts the season in terms of its like entertaining ability here. But let's get into episode 11. Um, in the previous episode, we saw pretty much the rise and fall of Jerry Manthe, right? It started with her finally getting like her first date honeymoon-type vibe with Colby. Um, but it came to an end as the tribe cut her at the final eight, which was going against the plan. They were supposed to go to final five. They cut Jerry at final eight um, just because they could not tolerate her anymore. So we talked a lot in the last podcast about Jerry's gameplay, what she could have done different, um, and where she went wrong in the season. So now we have seven left in the tribe, three former Kuchas and sorry, three former Kuchas and four former Orgogors. So we pick back up on day 28 with the Barramundi tribe, as Amber is now, you know, by herself. She feels pretty targeted because the others wanted to split her and Jerry up, and she feels left out and sad that her tribe members did not trust her enough to vote, um, to tell her about the vote for Jerry. Um, and, you know, we, we get confessionals from the the rest of the tribe. I think it's Keith that says, you know, Amber made a mistake aligning with Jerry and not separating herself. Um, and it's just a bad strategic decision to be aligned with Jerry, which is totally true, right? Amber should have seen that Jerry was going downhill and not in a good position here and jumped ship. Unfortunately, she did not do that. Um, and now she just kind of feels out of place here. And I think everyone should do a better job here of trying to pull in Amber. Um, not just Colby and Tina and Keith, and not just Elizabeth and Roger and Nick, I don't think anyone does a really good job of trying to pull in Amber here, but we'll continue to talk about that as this episode goes on here. Um, yeah, but I think I think they should do a better job of pulling her in instead of just saying, you know, you, you made your bed, now lay in it. Um, and they, they get to a pretty tricky spot in terms of their shelter situation, their food situation. They have one serving of rice left. They are starving. They can't catch food. They're running out of supplies. And it's, it's really taking a toll mentally and physically on all of the castaways left here. Um, so Amber and Elizabeth pick up their tree mail and they see envelopes full of money as we get the first survival, survival, survivor auction. Um, for some reason I got tripped up on that word there. So we get the first survivor auction here. Um, and you know, they're, they're excited to get some food. They're excited to, to get some sustenance and we get to the auction, which I think started pretty exciting here. Like it was, it, it's definitely fun to see the first rendition of this auction here. And it, it's pretty, the, the food rewards that they get are pretty small. The first one is four Doritos and a bowl of salsa, uh, which sold for 60 bucks. And 
We just got a ton of small things here. There's like three crackers, there's a can of Mountain Dew. We pretty much just go rapid fire, so it's pretty hard to keep up with everything that's going on. But Jeff seems to be doing a bunch of transactions um, and selling a bunch of small quantities of food. It seems like Amber and Nick are really the ones that, that seem to be eating a lot here. They both seem to have the strategy that they're just going to buy everything they can, which, I mean, I think works because there's really only two good meals here, which is the cheeseburger that Roger's going to end up getting and the turkey dinner that Elizabeth and Ke T Elizabeth and Tina are going to end up splitting. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. We, 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 again, get the sharing and loaning with Elizabeth and Tina when this was still allowed. I believe this will happen for a couple more seasons where they're kind of able to um, share money with each other and, and split rewards that will eventually stop as the auctions go further on. Um, Colby kind of splurges on a protein bar and we get a good moment. As he said, you know, that hit the target, Jeff. Um, we get um, Amber going for a mystery plate for $200 and we kind of hear the doofy music and we expect that as soon as Jeff lifts up the cover on that plate, she's going to get something bad and it was river water. Um, she offers to throw it at Jeff here, which was kind of a funny moment. Um, but yeah, nothing really too excited. A pretty... Uh, a pretty wholesome auction here. Nothing you know, incredibly interesting goes on. It's just a fun chance for the survivors to get food. I think they're going to realize that it's much more exciting when the food is better and bigger. Um, having four Doritos and a bowl of salsa isn't incredibly extravagant. Neither is three crackers that went for $120, which was insane that three crackers would go that high. Um, obviously, in future seasons, they're going to they're gonna ramp up the rewards a little bit. Um, but when we get back to camp, we see that all the survivors of stomachs were just not prepared at all for what they had today. Um, there are many upset stomachs. It seems like Colby and Amber are really the only ones that seem to avoid this. Pretty much everyone else is having a pretty rough time uh, digesting all this food here. So that's pretty much day 28. We wake up on day 29. Not much happens here again. Uh, on most days for the rest of this pre-merge, not much happens. Um, we see that the water has risen and they're starting to kind of shift their camp around so everything doesn't get washed away. Um, and they have a lot of work to do to adjust the, adjust the camp, um, but they can't really do the work because everyone is so depleted and tired. Um, and this is just kind of a running theme for the next couple episodes here, that there's so much to do. Um, there's so much they have to do around camp and work hard, but unfortunately they have a very hard time doing that because they're just so tired and they're lacking so much sustenance right now and so much energy. Um, and this topic of like the work and the food situation and the laziness really also starts to put Nick in the crosshairs here. In this episode, um, it, it, he has not been contributing around, around camp almost at all. It's really starting to rub Elizabeth and Tina the wrong way. Um, Elizabeth theorizes that he may be saving his energy for the immunity challenges, which isn't too bad of an idea. Um, but the fact that Nick is doing that might put Elizabeth and Roger in danger here as they would be the next one on the target list. Um, and it's pretty much all these scenes that we see them working and trying to, to fix their camp and reset it up. Nick is, is kind of just sitting on the ground. It doesn't, as much as the edit kind of buries him here, and, you know, I, I, I spoke definitely last season about how both Ramona and Jervis and Borneo were spoken about being lazy. Obviously, Alicia kind of turned that around by being a physical beast, um, but right, right from the jump, we see that Nick is also getting the laziness edit. Um, so I think there definitely is some stereotyping going on here. Um, I don't think it's wrong necessarily because there is proof of Nick just sitting around while everyone is working. Um, but I think it's definitely worth mentioning that the edit plays a part in, in highlighting this for sure. 
Um, so we get the immunity challenge. This is fire and water, which is the same final seven challenge from Survivor Borneo, except now they've added a twist where you have to keep your water high. So you have to keep your fire high by adding water on the other side of it. So you, all the contestants pretty much build their fire, try to keep it going, and then focus on putting the water in, which is pretty much the right strategy. Um, but it's, it's a very hard challenge to follow without narration. It, it's pretty tricky to figure out who is ahead and who's behind here, how this is going. Um, and, you know, it's, it's gonna, definitely going to get better as this challenge goes on. I, I know this is definitely done in All-Stars. It's probably done a couple times in between this. Um, but it, it's a little bit of a hard challenge to follow right now just because it, it it's so hard to tell who's in front. We never really get a wide shot of everyone. We just get random clips of everyone running into the water or building fire. Um, but yeah, so it seems like Keith gets pretty close at one point, but it doesn't stay up long enough to burn, and by the time it goes down, the fire is out pretty much. Um, Colby is able to keep his up though, giving him the win here. And so Colby will win his first immunity, his first immunity of five, and other rewards will come on top of that as well. Um, and you know, funny enough, the we always make such a big deal of who's the first one to congratulate him, and that kind of dynamic, when someone wins an immunity challenge, who is the who are the people celebrating is always a very pertinent thing here. The first one to congratulate Colby is Probst. Uh, Probst is like in there like a dirty shirt, high five and I'm hugging him. Um, and Jeff is just, you know, this is just a running theme for the rest of the season that Probst is absolutely infatuated with Colby. Um, and Probst says out of nowhere, Colby won. It very much was not out of nowhere at all. Pretty much by the end of the challenge, it became a running competition as everyone had their fire. It's just who can run into the water fast enough to keep to raise their fire before it went out. Um, and so you really need to have that speed. And it's absolutely no surprise that Colby was able to do that. So when they get back to camp, Tina notes that Elizabeth is not doing well here. Um, this is where we kind of get our first indication that the rest of the season is going to be an absolute zombie. Um, I noted, in, I believe it was the episode before, that they spent so much time on the reward, and it only really left us with 10-15 minutes for like the challenge and tribal and to see all those dynamics. And that was intentional so that we didn't know Jerry was going to get voted off here. Here, there's like 20 minutes left after the challenge, and literally nothing is happening. They're just sitting around camp, um, and it's, it's incredibly dry. It's you know, I don't really know what to expect here, but there does end up being a twist here, and that's probably why they got so much time here. It's because Jeff comes to the camp to offer them rice. He's concerned about them. He sees that they all have a real lack of energy, um, and he offers them more rice, but it's got to come um, with stuff with value, and Jeff wants their camp material. He wants tarps, and he wants the Texas flag. Um, honestly, it's kind of fair that he wants the Texas flag because um, not only is it Colby's, and he's probably going to use it as a blanket at night when he sleeps, but... Um, this is a personal item, and he, and like you, we see Ethan, he even brought a hacky sack that is just to play with. Colby brought a full-out Texas flag that they've been using as like a tarp shade umbrella this whole time. So it's pretty fair that like um, this is going to be the price to pay for race as well as the tarps. And then the rest of this episode until Tribal is pretty much all of them just reconstructing their camp. Um, and again here you can kind of if you if you're paying attention you can see that Nick has just not moved an inch. Um, and you know. Right on cue, they, they talk about how the shelter, the fact that they don't have tarps in the flag now means that they could get rained on. And right on cue, it rains on them. Um, and that, that's pretty much as much as we get. We get a couple different um, confessionals here focusing on the fact that Amber is in the middle. Colby says that Amber is nervous and paranoid and it may be deadly for them. 
as Amber, you know, could go to the Cooches and flip. She's getting close with Elizabeth. Um, and, you know, Elizabeth notes that voting for Jerry probably wasn't the best move from the Ogacor tribe. Um, Amber is now in the pivot position for Bear Monday. And Amber recognizes. She knows the power that she has. She could go against Tina, Colby, and Keith. But the thing is, she says that she doesn't trust either side 100%. She could go with Elizabeth, Roger, and Nick. But how, do, how does she know that they're not just going to cut her the first chance they get as well? So let's let's double down and talk about this Amber move here because Amber will get some some criticism for this. This is one of the focal points of the season, and this kind of non-move from Amber uh, gets a lot of hate because all eyes on her, and she doesn't take the risk. But I'm going to argue that I don't think this is terrible. She doesn't play this great because what if I was Amber, what I should what I would be doing is really trying to leverage this position. Um, you, you you have to use this position to to further your relationship and your strategic position with. Tina, Colby, and Keith, right? Um, if you know that you want to stay with them, you have to leverage that and, and make them promise you Final Four, right? Get them to make a deal with you. Um, and if you can get yourself to Final Four, maybe from there you can swing Colby into to going two versus two. Who knows, right? I think that's your best chance because it, I kind of see what Amber's saying, right? Even if she were to go with Elizabeth, Roger, and Nick, how does she know that, okay, this vote might be Keith? Next one could very well be Amber as well. Right, um, and then suddenly Cooch is just in a three v two, and you're pretty much just taking the same final five, just replacing Keith with Nick, right? So Amber's future might not end up any differently if she goes with Kucha. There's a lot less trust there, considering there's more trust at Ogakor. She should be furthering those relationships and then going because a lot of people say that Amber would be guaranteed final four if she went with the Kuchas. I don't think she'd be guaranteed final four at all because we know that they're very they're very close with Colby and Tina. Instead, I think Amber should be staying with Ogakor, but really doing a better job of building relationships. And I mean, we can look back in retrospect and say that Amber, you know, could have voted with Kucha and flipped back. Like she could kind of follow the, the Rob Sesternino path in, in the Amazon. Um, but, you know, that requires a lot of relationships. And we saw that Rob had that in his season. And we've seen people like Tony do a similar strategy. Um, but unfortunately, that just, it, it doesn't work without those relationships. And Amber just doesn't have that. The only relationships she really has are at Ogakor, and so she, she she should be building that, hope to get to the final four, and then maybe you can pull a rabbit out of a hat there. And I don't know how you can say Amber comes out looking the worst in this episode, because Elizabeth and Roger vote for Amber, um, and so there's really no attempt from the Kuchas to pull Amber in anyway. They talk about how Amber could be the pivot position, but they don't actually, at least we don't see them actually making a pitch. And if they did make a pitch, it clearly didn't work because they end up voting for Amber anyway, and Nick ends up vote, voting differently than them do. So they, they couldn't have done anything even if Amber wanted to flip. Um, and so I don't know how you can criticize Amber here when uh, it's not like she did great, but I don't think there was I don't think going with the other side much, would have resulted in much anyway. So that, that's kind of my analysis of the Amber move or the Amber non-move. I don't think um, it was terrible for Amber. I don't think she played it optimally. But I, I don't think it, she deserves all the hate she gets from it because I, I don't think there was much of a path the any like the, the other way either. Um, obviously, how Amber has played this game has been very passive. She doesn't really have much path towards the end game or winning at all. Um, and, and and so I don't think you can you can make this alternate reality where Amber is is jumping back and forth and is a swing vote and in the power position. That's just not her. That's not her path. Um, her path should be built, uh, continuing these relationships that she has and using those to get further. Um, and unfortunately, she does the right thing, but it's not executed correctly, in my opinion. 
Um, and so the only votes we see here, um, we see Nick, who's voting for Keith because not bringing his bag is arrogant. Tina votes for Nick um, because he, he said he didn't want to play anymore. So here's your ticket, buddy. Um, and the votes get revealed and Nick goes home on a four to two to one vote. Again, I'm not really sure what Kucha was thinking of voting for Amber. Um, and I think Elizabeth and Roger, it's really like, I don't think it's highlighted enough how people blame Amber for this, but Elizabeth and Roger don't play this well. Um, they, they had a chance to swing Amber. And if they made a better pitch and said, hey, Amber, we're all going to vote Keith, maybe she does it, but they don't. So what, what are you going to do? Um, so Amber says, tonight my vote is for Nick. It just seems like you weren't really giving all that you possibly could. I offered you the fishing pole one day and you said, never fished a day in my life. Why would I start now? And that really confused me. So that's why I'm voting for you tonight. Nick says, it's been a great adventure. Had some great times and some big lows. Um, the last few days have been really rough on me and it's taught me a lot about my, not only my strengths, but more importantly, my weaknesses. I kind of feel invincible at times and uh, Survivor has been a reality check for me. It's been a ride. It's obviously been, it's definitely been a ride. And that's kind of Nick. As I've said, Nick is, is invisible in the season. I don't really remember much from him. I still can't really tell you his strategy, his personality or anything. He He's completely invisible in this edit. Um, and I think it's kind of underrated how how invisible, truly invisible Nick is in this season. Um, but you know, th this season is all about likability, right? Tina's narrative about the good guys is starting to come into play. And if, if Tina likes you the least, We've seen that pattern, you're going, right? It was Jeff, it was Alicia, it was Jerry, it was Nick, and soon it's about to be Amber, right? Um, you're basically competing competing for Tina's affection here, and whoever she likes the least is going. Unfortunately, this time it's Nick. So MVP of Let's Make a Deal, um, I'm giving it to Tina and Colby here. Um, I could I could give it to Keith as well, but I don't think he's playing as actively. Tina and Colby do a great job of you know making sure Amber's with them. Um, and, and it is the right move to probably vote on Nick here. He's the only one with any sort of challenge competitor to Colby. Um, so I do think it's the right move. And LVP, I'm, I'm giving it to both Elizabeth and Roger here. I just don't think they played this correctly at all. Um, and, you know, people, I, I think people think that Elizabeth and Roger played a good game. I do think Elizabeth, you know, plays well. And, and she's taking Colleen's approach and upgrading it a little bit. Um, she's definitely a Colleen 2.0 a little bit. Um, but Roger plays incredibly passively as well. And going into this next episode, Tina's kind of confessional and, and her her voting reasoning for Amber is she's getting sick of Amber not playing actively. And I believe in the voting confessional, she says, I'm tired of having you um, constantly ask me who we're voting for. But the thing is, I think, I think that's definitely biased. And I think that's, you know, Tina's way of just finding a reason to, to vote for someone when it's clear that she just doesn't like them. Um, or she's just making up a reason, right? Because Keith is, like, the only the only difference between Amber and Keith is Amber has to ask, right? Amber has to ask Tina who we're voting for. Tina tells Keith who they're voting for. Um, and so no wonder Amber, ha Amber is annoying Tina is because T Amber's not in the inner circle and Keith is. But the thing is, Keith isn't playing passively, sorry, Keith isn't playing actively at all and I would say neither is Roger, right? Roger is just following Elizabeth. And even when Elizabeth is making the wrong move, Roger is following her. Um, so Tina comments that, you know, you can't just win this game by flying under the radar. And and she says that Amber has been flying under the radar. It's not flying with her. Um, but I, I don't know whether it's a gender thing or whether it's just the popular club or what it is. Um, again, it might just be whoever Tina likes the least is going. But... Um, I, I, I don't think it's a fair criticism to Amber that, um, 
that she's just a follower here because there, there's two other followers in the camp, but Tina likes them better, so they they kind of stay out of the crossfire. And as well, don't you don't you want a follower with you? Um, like, isn't it ideal to have followers that will follow you? Um, and ma- and maybe this is Tina just saying this because she knows in the back of her mind that Amber's going to follow Colby over her. But you know the Boston Rob strategy, the um, the Tony strategy, every, the Kim Spryland strategy, everyone, like, they want followers. Having followers and people that are just going to listen to you is the best. Um, and, and Tina not wanting Amber to stay in the game because she's a follower, um, I mean, I think it's good for the game as a whole because, it, you know, it, it definitely promotes playing actively, which I do like. But from Tina, um, it doesn't come, it doesn't, like, come back to bite her at all. But I think she should want Amber to be following her and want Amber to be voting with her. And I really hope that the reason that Tina is against Amber is because she knows that Amber would actually go with Colby. Um, So we do get this reward challenge. This is the carabiner one that Jervis won immunity in in Borneo. Um, Again, super hard to follow. They're just kind of running all over the place. Um, They're competing for a feast and an overnight stay in gear. Um, You know, no narration. We just kind of get some subtitles here and there. Um, it seems to actually be pretty close, closer than expected between Colby and Amber. Amber is right behind him, which is, you know, pretty impressive, actually. Like, Amber's challenge performances have been pretty good. Um, but Colby does pull out the win here and gets to go on a reward all by himself, right? This is a, a pretty unique thing for the season. Um, he will get to go all by himself. It's kind of like the, the Dr. Sean deal that happened in the last season. But this time he's riding on a horse. Um, he gets a feast and, and a bunch of beers. He gets to, to eat with Jeff and, and chuck some beers with Jeff as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, we, we get this weird cowboy music as Colby is on his horse, but then it starts pouring. And, you know, Colby says that his horse is walk, walking through like leg high water and he hopes the camp is okay. Um, but as we get back to the Bear Monday tribe, they can't even get to their camp. They have to wait a couple hours just so the river is passable. Um, and it's completely blocking their path. But they doubt their camp is going to be dry. They're worried to see what is going to happen. And we get a really weird shot of this happening. It's, I think it's placed a little bit weirdly, but it's just kind of icky how, like, we are trying to feel bad for all these people that their camp just got devastated. But yet there was clearly, like, a camera crew, like, filming every action and filming, like, a time lapse of the camp just being demolished. Um, so, like, I, I understand that they can't, like... They, they can't intervene they can't save the camp for them i wouldn't want that but at the same time like definitely does feel icky how like the whole episode and i mean literally the whole episode it's just like sad music and people sitting around the camp and we're, we're expected to like feel bad for the bear Mendy people that their camp just got destroyed but meanwhile like the, the camera crews literally just sat there watching it get decimated um so it's definitely kind of like a weird dynamic there um but, you know, they, they weren't even close. There was no sense of recovering this camp. Um, it got demolished way before they even got there. Um, maybe this is, like, the Australian gods uh, punishing punishing Colby for taking the coral because I, I can't imagine that they, they're keeping any of that. That probably got swept away as well. Um, and we get, like, a heartbreaking slow-mo shot of the rice getting taken away with the rest of the camp as well. Um, so when they get back, they see barely anything is left. We get the sad music. Um, their fishing equipment's gone. The rice is gone. And we can see, you know, this theme of the season is, like, good people in terrible circumstances, right? First, the scoop and thing. They've been struggling with the elements all season. And now this is, like, another huge defining moment of the season. Um, and then, you know, very strangely, we then cut back to Colby, who is, like, thriving and chatting with Jeff about his standing in the game. And... You know, Jeff is kind of talking through strategy with him. Colby says, 
He's got a leg up physically, but a leg down socially, and people may be resenting his challenge wins. Um, and I mean, this won't happen yet, but probably will if you keep winning literally every challenge. Um, and he may be voted off in the next couple of votes. He's in a losing position. Um, and, and I'm really happy that Colby does recognize this, but this is a sign that he needs to work to keep Amber. Amber is a number that is firmly in his corner here, and he really has to put in the work if he, would need, if he really wants to turn his game around. Um, obviously, I'm looking at this with, with 40 seasons of Survivor behind me. Colby was not. Um, but he, he did well enough to recognize he was in a losing position. Now he has to do something about it. And unfortunately, he does fail at this, basically handcuffing him to Tina. Um, and he, he went from being the center of the tribe to really only having one or two people on his side. Um, in this whole episode, it's just a weird dichotomy seeing Colby like pounding back beers while the rest of the survivors are like in tears mourning their camp. Um, but we do get, you know, a scene of Tina and Keith kind of braving the river during the night to try and retrieve the race, um, which is ad an admirable, admirable move here, but it's pretty dangerous um, stepping into this like fast flowing river. I'm glad everyone's okay, but definitely a risky thing to do. Um, and, but it, it, it's very like hard to watch, and I don't mean in terms of like difficult, but I mean it's you literally can't see anything. Um, it's so dark, um, but it looks like Keith is able to dive in. Roger pulls him out, and they are able to get the rice back, which is definitely a big win. Um, you know, and an honorary MVP point to Colby here for sure. Or sorry, not to Colby, to Keith. Um, so we wake up on day 33. Uh, Colby wakes up to peanut butter and jelly and bacon and eggs. He's thriving. The rest of the tribe wakes up to miserable. Um, and they, they're they rough on it. They have to make a new shelter. Colby comes back and, and sees what everyone has to go through and hugs and comforts them. Um, he's worried about winning another immunity challenge and how that may affect the way he is viewed. But he will win the next immunity challenge. They're kind of firing slingshots at plates. And the last one, having a plate standing, will win the challenge. Um, Amber and Keith and Tina are the first three out here, as it look like a, looks like Akucha may win, um, but it does come down to Elizabeth and Colby. Elizabeth has a 2-1 lead, but Colby is a sniper and is able to make the comeback here. Um, so Colby wins his second immunity in a row here, third challenge in a row. Actually, no, yeah, just third challenge in a row. And we don't get too much in between the challenge and tribal. We get that Elizabeth is a little bit nervous, um, and this is going to be a tough tribal for sure. Um, you know, at Tribal, they, they talk a lot about the placement of the camp and how they're doing. Um, and, and, you know, Roger kind of subtweets Jerry a little bit by wanting the camp near the river. Um, and they always kind of talk about how difficult this game has gotten. And they're just basically playing it day to day. Tina can't say that this is the most, the, the six most deserving people, but definitely all six of them deserve it. Um, and, you know, this is just the narrative of Tina here. I, I really like Tina. I think she plays a great game. Um, but I, I don't love the narrative of, you know, the good guys, the people who deserve it the most. I, I think that's a bit uh, wishy-washy. Um, that, but that's kind of Tina's narrative. And whoever, sh if you don't, if Tina doesn't think you deserve it, you're gone. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to be Amber's case here. We see Roger and Elizabeth very sorry to vote for Amber. And Colby and Amber are both voting for Roger. So we do have some suspense here. We're not sure whether Roger's going to go. Um, because Colby did vote for Roger, so, you know, who knows, maybe um, Tina and Keith will continue to vote for Roger and go Final Four with Amber. Unfortunately, Tina and Keith are in the middle, and they choose Roger. So, um, Amber gets voted out with a vote of 4-2. to two. Um, She is able to get Colby on her side, but Colby is not able to keep Tina and Keith from voting out Amber. And from this point on, the season will be a zombie. It takes three more episodes to finish out the season, and it's, you know, remarkably clear at this point that Tina, with a maybe chance of Colby, is going to win this season. 
Um, so yeah, in, in her, in Tina's voting confessional, she says, Amber, the only reason why you're getting this vote is because I feel you've kind of flown under the radar and you can get pretty far in the game by doing that, but you can't win. And when you have to ask every tribal council who we're voting for, that just goes to show that you're really not voting for yourself. So I love you, wish you well, but I gotta go. And I mean, I don't think this is great reasoning from Tina, but it is what it is. And Amber says, I don't hold anything against anybody. You guys were the best five people I could have spent my last couple of nights with. I'm actually kind of relieved. Those last couple of nights were really, really rough. I'm very proud of myself to make it this far, and I'm going to be thinking about you guys a lot. You're going to be in my prayers and thoughts. I will never, ever, ever regret anything that's happened here. And so that's pretty much it. Good appearance from Amber. In terms of her eliminated player rankings, as I update my list here, I'm looking to compare her to Jerry here. Um, and because I, I just don't think she's better than Jervis, and I think she is better than Sean. So it's just whether I'm going to put her or Jerry ahead of one another. I am going to put her ahead of Jerry just because I, I do think, although Jerry did more active good, she also did more active bad. Um, and Amber didn't really do much either way. Um, so I am just going to put it based solely on placement. I am going to put give Amber the slight edge above Jerry here. I do think she is probably just a better player based on the sense that she's more likable. Um, and so I'm going to give my MVP of this episode to Tina. I think getting rid of Amber, although her decision making was a bit questionable, I think this is the right move and puts her in a winning position. And my LVP is to Colby. I think he loses one of the only people left in the game that had him as their number one and puts him in a losing position. So my power rankings end up as Tina at six, Colby at three, Keith at two, Elizabeth at zero, and Roger at negative two. And that's after uh, 12 episodes and I still have the final five onwards to go here. So that's pretty much all I have to say about these two episodes. Um, you know, two fairly interesting votes, um, and probably the last two interesting votes of the season. Um, we will talk about next time the Elizabeth and Roger votes, um, and then the podcast following that will be the finale. So thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast. Give it a thumbs up or subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts, and I will see you next time.